0: Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared alongside Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard. How you doing, Richard?
1: I'm doing all right.
0: Very excited for this episode. Very excited. Me too. We're recording this uh, Sunday morning, November 8th. Um, so obviously a, a big weekend for the United States, uh, but also a big weekend
1: for the draft. We're, we're what, 10 days away at this point? Yeah. uh, And we're seeing some withdrawals from the international guys too. So draft board gets slimmer now. Somehow, somehow it's November and our draft board is still shrinking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're, I think we're both kind of ready to be, uh, to be done with this draft at this point. Um, I got a late start, so I'm kind of taking advantage of, uh, of the extra time. But I know for someone like you who's been working on it from literally day one, you know, you're ready to get on to 2021. But There's more work to be done, uh, more podcasts to be created and, uh, want to take a minute to thank everybody who listens. Um, we are close to 1000 total plays, uh, for all our episodes at this point, which is crazy. Um, you know, didn't, didn't imagine we would have that big of an audience, but it's awesome that, that you guys tune in and we, we both really appreciate that. Um, so we're going to continue doing mailbags. Uh, we got a lot of questions to get to at the end of the episode. Uh, but first, I think a pair of prospects that um, that would be really good fits for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, the first one probably won't be available at 18, but stranger things have happened. Uh, that would be Kyra Lewis, the guard from Alabama. Uh, actually a sophomore, but still really young for a sophomore. I have him down at 19. Do you know, did he turn 20 yet? Do you know uh, mine was based on what they would have been at the original draft date?
1: No, he, uh, he still has almost five months of being 19. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: <laughs> you want to uh, the entire season at 19. Exactly. So, uh, Lewis young for a sophomore, uh, I got him at six three, one sixty five, with a six five wingspan. I know he just had the his his official combine numbers. Uh, do you want to
1: fact check me on that? Yeah, I'm pulling it up now. I probably should have uh, prepared this a little bit better, uh, but I think he added fifteen pounds. Other than that, everything else was the same. I think he's now up to like one eighty. Uh, so, everything else though. So so yeah. while you're while you're
0: double checking that. Uh, In 2020, he played 31 games, averaged over 37 minutes a game, took 14.5 attempts from the field, converting at a 46% clip, uh, 36.5% from downtown on five shots per game, 80% from the line on four attempts per game, 18.5 points, five rebounds, five assists, almost two steals and half a block. Um, So impressive numbers for uh, for Kyra Lewis, uh, did, were you able to get his, uh, his weight?
1: Yeah, it, it is 180. Uh, everything 180. He said is correct. It's just the pounds are different now. Okay. So,
0: um, that's definitely something that, you know, I was watching for personally was, you know, is he going to be ad- be able to add strength? How much strength can he add without sacrificing some of that athleticism, Um, because really probably the, the thing that sticks out the most about Kyra Lewis is the speed and the open court.
1: Yeah, he's just a bore. He's probably the quickest player in the draft. I don't think that's really, um, a stretch to say, and he uses it to his, to his advantage on both ends. That's why he's kind of, you know, projected as a nice two-way player.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would even say he's, he's probably one of the quicker guards to come out maybe since the Aaron Fox. Yeah. Um, yeah. I might be missing somebody, but, but, you know, once he, once he gets that first, that first step ahead, it's, it's tough to catch him. Um, and, and what's impressive about it is he doesn't seem to slow down even with the ball in his hands. Um, so, you know, you see some guys, sorry, there was just like a, a loud (laughs) crash of thunder behind me. I don't know if you'll be able to hear that on the podcast, but, um, uh, what was I saying? So he, uh, a lot of guys you'll you'll see them kind of slow down with the ball in their hands. You know they might be fast, you know, in terms of like running a hundred meter dash or whatever. Um, but Kyra keeps his speed with the ball in his hands, with it, you know, which is obviously super
1: important for for a guard. Yeah, and and I was thinking you got me thinking about some of the most recent point guards, like the quickest players to come out. Uh, only other ones that are close, and I don't even think they're in the same you know, realm of uh speed is completely different. Or John Moran and Kobe White, which is pretty yeah. crazy. But I mean, yeah, he's a his speed is just so rare. Um, I I do think that, like you said, he doesn't slow down with his speed. He uses it almost 100% of the time. Like it's a very functional speed. You know, uh, like you said, some guys have the athleticism just don't know how to use it. Like that is not an issue with him at all. Uh, and I think I. I really think he's going to excel using his speed once he adds more strength too. I think that's a huge thing. Like he's already added 15 pounds since the start of last season or whenever he was last measured. Uh, so I, I really think the frame is going to only help his speed and continue to add uh, to his advantage.
0: Yeah, I think the the one thing that I find a little weird is, you know, based on his speed, you would expect him to be pretty explosive around the rim. And I didn't really see that, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, so I had marked that he has, like, flashes of explosiveness. Uh, I don't think he uses it vertically, though. Like, you know what I mean? He The first step is really strong, kind of like the same way, uh, like, Grant Riller has an explosive first step, but he's not necessarily an above-the-rim player. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird combo that I, I don't really know how to even explain it without like showing video, you know? Yeah. But but I I, mean I guess the,
0: the the best thing to say is, you know, he's not an above the rim player. He's not an explosive um, you know, finisher around the basket. And, you know, I think that's something that that's kind of a knock on him. I think he's he's a very creative finisher around the basket. Um but you know I I thought he struggled a little bit as a finisher um you know from a from a consistency standpoint.
1: Yeah. I, I need to pull up the numbers as to what he shot at the rim. Um, but I want to say it was a little bit underwhelming, uh, especially for someone who could blow by guys. Yeah. He shot 58%. So that's like average. Um, it's not terrible. I really do think being below the rim player just hurts him in that regard. And it will hurt him in the NBA as a finisher. So he's going to have to use his playmaking a little bit better. Um, I, I think his slashing is probably like his most neutral trait where if he adds strength strength and somehow comes a little bit more above the rim or, you know, just manages better when to play, when to finish at the rim and how to finish and everything. Like you said, he's creative. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be the swing factor for him at the rim. Yeah, for sure. You, you see him
0: looking to score with, with, you know, kind of scoops at the basket and kind of that off the beat, you know, um, kind of off-tempo elevation at the basket, uh, you know, kind of like Kyrie kind of made famous with the, you know, same hand, same foot, you know, not something that we really saw a ton of, um, but, you know, kind of throwing off the timing of shot blockers, just developing that, continuing to develop the floater. um, And I I think the area that he's already in pretty good shape um, in terms of keeping... Defender's honest is the shooting ability. So why don't you talk a little bit about the shot?
1: Yeah, so he's got a very successful shot. Shot almost thirty-seven percent from the three. He shot eighty percent from the line. Those are two huge indicators uh, going forward. Uh, the only issue I really have for him is just the elbow sometimes isn't the most fluid. Uh, everything else pretty much checks out. I think it's a quick shot uh, for the most part. It's got a decently high release. Like I, I really can't see any reason why it would fail at the next level. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree, and and something that I thought was really encouraging, really promising was, um, I think he was in like the upper eighty percentile in catch and shoot situations, uh, one point two three eight points per possession there, um, according to Synergy. Um, so maybe has some ability to play off the ball a little bit, um, which I think might be necessary for him, given that he's not, you know, the best. You know, playmaker, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it gives him versatility, and that's what it helps him fit almost into any lineup. You know, he's not a ball dominant guard. Uh, kind of like he said, he can play both on and off ball, uh, which I think is really helpful for a team that's entering a rebuild, which is probably in his range. Not to spoil uh, the future uh, <laughs> segment of this, but uh, I do think his ability to be a both on and off ball playmaker is going to be uh, really helpful for him, and that's going to be. A huge it's gonna be huge for his efficiency, like just in general. I think it really plays to his strengths, honestly.
0: Yeah, so I mean what what did you notice about him as a passer? I have my thoughts, but but you go first.
1: Yeah, so I think he's got really good vision. Uh I do think his assists should have been higher and his turnovers are insanely high. I I don't know how much to attribute that to youth or not, because I mean he's a young sophomore and he averaged almost four turnovers a game. Um like it wasn't far off from his assists. That did worry me. Um, but I do think that like, he knows how to use a driving kick. That's probably the most important weapon you can have in the NBA as a point guard. And he has good vision just in general. So I don't see him as a high ceiling passer. I don't know if he ever gets to seven assists a game, maybe like that might be where he tops out at the most, but he doesn't get below like four, you know? Yeah.
0: I I was actually going (laughs) to say the same thing about the, the, the vision off the drive. I think is where he really excels. I didn't see like a super anticipatory passer outside of that, just like in the half court. Um, but I think both in transition and especially when he's driving to the basket, um, you know, his ability to hang in the air and and find cutters, find the big man on the on the dump off or kick it out for an open three uh, in the corner of the weak side wing, um, I, I thought was, was exceptional, to be honest with you. I thought he was really good in those situations. Um, how about, you know, in pick and roll situations, which, you know, for a, a lead guard, you have to be able to run some pick and roll in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's definitely another strength of his. Uh, again, like you said, it's not really a, most of his playmaking. None of it's like super advanced. I wouldn't call it like, you know, maybe if a couple of times he throws some flashes, but uh, I don't really feel like he made like insane reads, insane passes that were, you were just like, how did he do that? Um, I, I do think that he can run a smooth pick and roll. Uh, I think honestly he's better at picking pops than pick and rolls. Uh, not that that's a huge deal, but if he's playing with a stretch big, that's definitely going to be someone who's going to benefit a lot from Kyra Lewis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about the, the ball handling? Uh, you know, to me it was fine. It was nothing special. Um, but you know, I think, he's able to optimize his, his first step quickness, yep. you know, with the ball handling that he has. So, I mean, it's not something I'm concerned about it as far as creating, you know, I think what'll help him a little bit more is developing that mid range jumper, you know, kind of the way Russell Westbrook did, just to keep defenders from,
1: you know, playing so far off him to protect against the drive. Yeah. And I'm, I'm rewatching some of these videos as uh, as we're doing this that I've made in like his his first step is definitely going to be a big part of his handle. Like, you know, I'm not, that's not necessarily a knock, uh, but he knows how to kind of keep defenders really off balance. He's got to break them down defenders with his handle. And he's not going to, he's not going to be like Kyrie. He's not going to put you in in jail or not, uh, you know, put you on a highlight reel or a low light reel, I guess, depending on who you are, but <laughs> he's not going to cross you up. He's not going to be like a flashy ball handler, but I also don't think he has a loose handle. Like he doesn't, there's nothing negative I would say about his handle in general. You know, like it's kind of like you said, it's fine. It's not yeah. going to be bad is, which clearly is the most important thing for a point guard. Definitely. Definitely.
0: So um, let's touch on the defensive side of the ball, because you mentioned, you know, you kind of view him as, as a solid two way option. So, you know, what do you like about him defensively?
1: Yeah, I think he covers just again, with the speed, he covers so much ground on defense that even if he's not in the strongest he still beats you to your spot and he makes you a little bit uncomfortable. So that like, that does mean a lot for team defense. Uh, You don't have to have people overcompensating for his mistakes or something or fighting around screens, which even then for someone his size, he fought around screens really well. Uh, I was a huge fan of his pick and roll defense for, I mean, for guys, his size, it's usually an automatic weakness for him. It just, it wasn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, he obviously super quick feet that, translates to both ends of the floor, fluid hips. Um, You know, you see some defensive intensity there. Um, You know, he's willing to get into the face of the guy he's guarding. I think strength is going to be a problem for him. Uh, So I think he is going to be limited to guarding ones, maybe some smaller twos. But I I do think there were times where he got bullied, um, you know, by – by the opponent just driving to the basket and yeah. him just not being strong enough to hold his ground yet.
1: Yeah, you no, know, and that is for sure. He's he's not versatile on defense, but um, I I I do like his ability though. Like when he's when he knows he's on a mismatch or he is the mismatch, uh, I do think he likes to go for the turnover and everything, which can kind of hurt him with fouling. But I mean, it's like a low risk if you're you know being posted up by someone who's six. Right, right. But he's really good go... at forcing those turnovers.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And you have to know when to pick those spots. And I think he does that well. I mean, like, yeah, if, you know, James Wiseman's posting him up, like, yeah, just go for the steal. And, you know, he's going to dunk on you anyway, like, you might as well. <laughs> um, and then I thought, you know, as a team defender, he occasionally fell asleep a little bit, but I, I didn't really think he had any issues in terms of knowing where to be. I think it was more just kind of, you know, he plays 38 minutes a game and, you know, concentration breaks and he's young. Um, And it's not something I'm too concerned with, you know, at the NBA level. Um, And then not to mention the fact that, you know, almost two and a half combined steals and blocks per game. um, You know, there's
1: some defensive playmaking to be had there. Yeah, that's perfectly worded. Like he, he is a very good defensive playmaker. He just he makes things happen. Uh, and for, uh, when I was writing down his stats, like for my own personal scouting report, like I looked and I was usually the point guards I don't even include the box per game. And with him, he had over half. I was like, what the heck? Like this guy? Like, I don't even remember the <laughs> box, but I, uh, I mean, yeah, he, he just does so much on the defensive end. He's high effort. Uh, and like you said, team defense, who knows? I think it goes to be neutral, which I, I don't think if it's anything worse than neutral, it's concerning if it's, you know, neutral is fine. Uh, yeah. But I do think, like like I said, he beats people to their spots. His on-ball defense kind of feeds into the team defense, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: yeah. And in one area where I thought, you know, he he gets a couple of easy baskets for his team is, um, you know, the way he plays the passing lane, and then the speed is once he gets the steal, he's gone. Yeah. Um, and those are those are four point swings, right? It's you you create a turnover and get a quick two on the other end. You know, if you get one or two of those a game, you know, those can add up throughout the course of the season. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, like I said, playmaking um, on that end, or on both ends of the floor. Um, any, um, anything else you want to touch on before we talk about where you have them ranked and best fits and all that?
1: No, I feel like we got uh, we got most of it. I'm pretty sure. All right.
0: So where where is he on on your board at this point?
1: Yeah. So I have uh, I have Kyra as the fourth ranked point guard, and on my board he is number eleven, just outside of the top ten. Okay. He's he's my fourth ranked guard
0: as well, and I have him at twelve. So we're we're pretty he's much on the same page <laughs>
1: there. Um, was there a comparison that you like? Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, and the lot of, some of these aren't necessarily play style because the speed on both these guys aren't. Uh, and I know comparisons are wonky, uh, but the speed is a huge difference maker as to why it wouldn't be either of these guys. But in terms of impact uh, and stats and everything like that, I can kind of see him aligning to I put his floor at Mario Chalmers, like Mar- like heat Mario Chalmers, which was a good like he was just that guy He did the dirty work. Uh, you didn't have to have him do too much, everything like that. And he was on a winning team. Obviously he won a title, um, not because of Mario Chalmers, but, <laughs> but he's an important glue guy at point guard. He does all, just all the dirty work. You're not going to see him be a liability a lot. Uh, and then on the top end, I see him having a Mike Conley kind of career, not necessarily again, play style, but the stats that Conley had, I think that it's not a reach to say Kyrie could reach as well. Okay. And they have the same strengths and weaknesses. So, Yeah.
0: I think the easy comparison is, you know, at the absolute ceiling is De'Aaron Fox, but I don't really like that one because I don't think he's as explosive. I don't think he's as good of a defender. Um, I I heard Darren Collison a couple times. I I don't
1: hate. That oh, one. that is a good one. I
0: think that's a pretty good one, just in terms of. You know, the speed, a bit undersized, but, you know, could kind of play off ball in some instances, you know, that kind of shooter, um, you know, mover off the ball, you know, works hard as a defender. Um, And in his prime, Darren Collison was a was a pretty solid player. Um, You know, I know the Mavs here, Darren Collison, they're like, oh, Darren Collison. But, you know. (laughs) I thought Darren Collison used to be a, a pretty good player. Um, so what what fits for him, you know, as far as teams go? Do you Where do you like Kyra Lewis going?
1: So I really like his fit in Phoenix. Phoenix is just ideal, I think. Uh, that is just off the top of my head. It's perfect. They need another point guard next to him. Uh, or next to Devin Booker, excuse me. Uh, he's just an overall seamless fit there. And then also New York. New York kind of needs; they need a lot. Um, Like I I just need talent, especially at point guard. Yeah, (laughs) and maybe Detroit too. Detroit is another team that needs a lot. I really think any of those teams in the seven to like thirteen range, you can make an argument for. Even New Orleans, like especially if they're trying to move on from Drew Holiday, Kyra Lewis would be a nice young piece to that core.
0: Yeah, I, I like both of those fits. As a as a Magic fan, do you like the fit there as well?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I love it. I just I don't see him making it there.
0: Yeah, exactly. without good. a trade
1: up, without a trade up. If, he, if they can trade up for him, though, to like 10 or nine. Yeah, definitely take him.
0: Well, and I like that, fit, like next to a guy like Fultz, where both of them can play off ball a little bit. Yep. Um, neither one has to be the primary initiator, but they can both initiate offense. So um, I also like what you were saying about Phoenix and then, you know, where where you could just put the ball in Booker's hands and say, go to work. But you could also, again, have him be that that secondary playmaker and initiator. Um, So. Again, if he were to somehow get to 18, which, you know, I've seen some mock drafts more so, you know, a few months back where where they had Kyra Lewis getting to Dallas. um,
1: Is that a fit that you like? Yeah, I would be very happy. He's like that ideal. You know, Mavs fans wanted Patrick. Patrick Beverly last year. Uh, I do think he's the ideal kind of off-ball, uh, off-guard, I should say, next to Luca, where he just does some dirty work. Uh, so I, I would be like, there's not many point guards I would take this year at 18, but he is definitely one of the few. I agree.
0: Um, I thought it became pretty evident that they needed a secondary ball handler at some points. Um, you know, Brunson's not ideal for that role but he's fine right like he does the job but you know even with him being out that you know really amplified the the need there so you know I'm with you not someone who I think gets to 18 um, and frankly not somebody that I think Dallas should trade up for I think um, if you're going to trade up for somebody it needs to be a special talent and or somebody that that fills like a very dire need for you. And while that is a need, I don't think it's, you know, the need right now.
1: Right. It's not something that would go out of my way to, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, all right. So any final words on Kyra Lewis?
1: No, I, uh, I do think he's one of the higher four players. Uh, whoever gets him is going to be pretty happy. I'm with you. I'm with you.
0: Um, Okay, so let's move on to Josh Green. Uh, Josh Green was a very highly recruited um, freshman, uh, went to Arizona. Uh, Australian, right? Australian native? Yep. Um, Physically imposing dude, 6'6", 210, with a 6'10 wingspan, Uh, 19 years old. I think he'll be 19 until like shortly after the draft. Um, If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right. Two days before.
1: Yep. Okay, so so there you go. Tomorrow is his birthday. Oh,
0: well, happy almost birthday, Josh Green. So he's about to turn 20, uh, played in 30 games, 31 minutes a game, shot 42 percent from the field on just under 10 attempts per game. Thirty six percent from three on three attempts per game, 78 percent from the line on three and a half attempts per game. 12 points, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, 1.5 steals, and half a block. Um, this is a guy that in our most recent mock draft, you had mocked to Dallas at 18. So obviously, you know, we'll get more into the fit there later, but you, you like the fit. So tell me a little bit about Josh Green.
1: Yeah. I mean, without, without completely spoiling the rest of this episode, like he is easily the player i'm most excited to talk about with this uh i think he's my number one pick for the maps if the board falls away i think it will uh, I, I really think that he's someone worth getting excited for he's just he's got an insane motor uh his deep which feeds into his defense his defense i don't think has any flaws except maybe he needs to just tone it down a little bit like he's like it is, literally feels like a Michael Scott thing. Like he cares too much, he tries too hard, like <laughs> something. Like he's his defense just has no flaws, Uh and he's just an incredible athlete. Like, and and on top of that, he can kind of shoot. Like that's it's very welcome. He's just a good player that I don't even think it's it's very hard to overthink him.
0: Yeah, so let's start with what you were saying about he can kind of shoot. Uh <laughs> I, I wrote in my scouting report that his biggest swing skill is his shooting. Right, that's going to be yep. the difference between him being you know, Tony Allen and like, like a juiced up Jay Crowder, right? Like, <laughs> um, you know, is he going to be able to, to shoot the ball? Um, so what do you think? Will he?
1: Yeah. So I, I think he'll be near average. I don't know if he'll, like average is probably a high end outcome, I think for the shot, Uh just because like, I don't know if he can shoot on the move in the NBA. I, I have big doubts about that. And if teams can kind of focus on him off, on, off ball, excuse me. I'm trying, <laughs> on the, uh, I I think that he can be kind of limited as a shooter. I do think that the biggest thing for him, though, is he needs to improve his footwork. Uh, and Just his overall base, it's just kind of uh, not sound. I, I can't really describe it. Like, you know what I'm talking about. You, you're better at describing uh, this stuff than me. But yeah, I, I, that's the big area for me.
0: Yeah, his, his base, his, you know, he caves his knees in, he's got a slight dip, doesn't get much elevation, but um, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he, he, he improved his shooting towards, you know, the end of the year as we were kind of getting into March Madness. Um, again, I'll let you double check me on that, um, <laughs> but I... I'm with you. I don't think he'll shoot much off movement. I think he's a pure catch-and-shoot guy, and he did well in those situations. 85th percentile, 1.203 points per possession, um, you know, which is good. Um, and when you specifically look at a team like Dallas, which we do because we're Mavs draft, when you have a playmaker like Luka who draws players in, and, and we saw it so often, especially during the bubble, where you know the everyone would sink in on him. He'd kick it out, and and you'd have an open <laughs> look. And I think that's where Josh Green is going to have
1: his most success. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Just had, doing that finney Smith role, and and that's pretty much where finney Smith was for a lot of the year. Was he was the bailout corner guy, or maybe even the wings? Uh Then yeah. to fact check you, so if you do his final month, uh, he shot fifty six percent from three. uh On just about three attempts per game. And if you take out the one of the games, you want to cherry pick it. And if you take out his last game that would have qualified in February for that month, it goes up to 63%. So yeah, pretty, pretty so, yeah, good He, he was, bias. He was improving yeah. um,
0: his shot, you know, towards the end of the year, good free throw shooter, um, even as a pretty good floater. Um, yep. So, you know, his, his shot, or his his touch away from the basket is pretty solid. Um, something I am concerned about is his finishing around the basket, which really surprised me. He was in the eighth percentile um, scoring around the basket, .786 points per possession. And you would think with his strength and athleticism
1: that he'd be a really good finisher, but he's just not. Yeah, I, I do think a lot of it comes down to just playing under control. Uh, a lot of times he tried to think maybe he was prime John Wall going to the rim. I mean, I'd seen like 360 attempts. Uh, <laughs> I just, he needs to, that's like a big knock on him. It's just like, again, <laughs> he cares too much and he tries too hard. <laughs> like, he really does just kind of need to play a little bit more under control, just being smarter about when he's, uh, when and how he goes to the rim.
0: I, I agree. And I think some of that also has to do with, You know, in high school, he was able to finish over everybody.
1: Um,
0: He was able to absorb contact and finish. And he never had to use his left hand. Um, I don't think I ever saw
1: him attempt a finish with his left hand. That is true. That is true. And and since we're talking about it, I know you said shooting is his swing factor. I think slashing is actually a swing factor because I, I think there's more than just the specialist kind of role. For him, I really do think if he unlocks his slashing, because of his physical tools, that's why I'm mentioning it. Uh, right. Usually for guys kind of this raw on it, I wouldn't. Uh, but if he unlocks his slashing potential, I really do think he has the potential just to be a top-ten player in this draft, like, without any question. Um, like you said, though, the left hand is definitely something concerning. He favors the right, even on the left side of the rim, everything. Like, he's he's just uh, – I don't know. It's very clear that he needs coaching on the left hand, which – it's fixable. Luckily for him, that's not a major concern because of his likely immediate NBA role. Uh, but it is something that should probably be worked on a lot in practice and things like that. Yeah.
0: And, and I'm glad you brought up the slashing, too, because I think he cuts really well. He cuts hard to the basket, moves well without the ball, relocates. Um, but again, you know, he's going to have to be able to, I think, just rework his game because we know he's got touch you know we see it on the shot and the floater Um, so like you're saying just come in a little more under control um, you know slow down a little bit absorb the contact and finish just concentration at the rim Um, I, you know I don't think he's going to be in the bottom 10 percentile in the NBA as a finisher you know when it's all said and done like you you look at the guy and you're like there's just no way Um, but you know it it's a concern and and if he's not able to finish then you know that really doesn't mean much at all you know in terms of his slashing ability
1: yeah and for someone just with his frame and his cutting ability uh in athleticism it's just that that doesn't fail as a slasher i mean that's the touch is there i think he has really good touch at the rim too it just again it didn't show and i don't know what he shot at the rim uh, i'm going to have to fact check myself but I feel like it wasn't terrible. Uh, yeah, he shot 64% at the rim, so that's actually, you know, not bad. It, it is weird that he was in the bottom 10 percentile of that. Like, that's such contradicting numbers, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's what I pulled from his finishing around the basket from Synergy. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I, I guess the question is, you know, how much can he offer you offensively? Um, I don't think he's someone that's going to create for himself or his teammates. Really? I think he's, you know, when he gets the ball, it's one, maybe two straight line dribbles going to the basket. Um, I think he tries to do too much as a passer sometimes, you know, when he's locked in and knows, Hey, I just need to make the extra pass. It's fine. But there are times it's like he's throwing passes over his head, like behind his back. And I'm <laughs> so, like, all right, all right, Pokushevsky, like, calm down a
1: little bit. So with with uh, Josh Green, I said something I've never said in my life, which isn't – I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. But I called him a generational midair passer because <laughs> there's never been someone like him that can make – the like, there's a game against Oregon. I think it was at Oregon. He – this, like, whoever it was completely overthrew him. He did not give up on the play for whatever weird reason. And he was flying out of bounds doing it literally a 360 perfect pass to the rim like the cutter. I was like, how, how do you do this? Like, that is, something <laughs> which, I don't know if it means he's lucky. I don't know if it means he knows what he's doing and his passing is really good. I don't know if it means he should never do this again. He's just making terrible mistakes. Like, I have no idea what to make of it. So, it's hard. I do think he is a smart passer, uh, which it can... He still needs to improve a lot on, um, but I think that would help him a lot as a slasher, too, if he had the pass and threat out
0: of the drive. Uh, well, why do you say that again? You cut out a
1: little bit. Okay, I was like, did I say something that ridiculous? <laughs> so, uh, do you want me to start with the midair, generational? No, 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 well, just kind of the last sentence you satisfy? Oh, satisfied. yeah, yeah, so if he can <clears throat> if he can be a better passer, like, in the half court under more control and, like, out of the drive, I think it would do his slashing wonders, too, if the oh, defense yeah. is new. If the defense is new, a sla- uh, pass was possible, too, like, you don't have to play so tight on him.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think there were some times he maybe surprised his own teammates, like, they weren't expecting the pass, um, and that doesn't help either. But um, I think ultimately, you know, it's going to come down to what, again, what does he offer you offensively? But even if it is just the shot and, you know, the occasional cut to the basket, you know, I I buy the shot enough that I think as a pure catch and shoot guy, you know, you're looking at a 37, 38 percent three point shooter at the next level. You just have to be able to understand that, you know,
1: it's all going to be spot up. Yeah, which makes it hard. And, and you have to wonder how teams are going to play him tight off-ball. What is How does he pan out as a shooter?
0: Right. Okay, so the moment we've been waiting for is the defense. <laughs> you know, talk about him a bit as a defender.
1: So I, I don't think you're going to find a higher effort defender in this class, which uh, for me, I, I think he checks every single box. He has the size, athleticism, He has the recovery time, the recovery ability, excuse me, uh, and the effort. Those things all are probably the most important things you can do on defense. And I think he's unbelievably intelligent uh, as a defender too, which is uh, equally important to all of that. Like he he just, he's always aware. He knows, he knows what's happening. Uh, He picks up on plays well before they happen and with the motor. I mean, there's a play where they're down like 15 with two minutes left and he is going all in trying to force the turnover, everything, not even his own, just man to man. I, it's, I don't know. The defense is unteachable. Like everything that he does so well so far being so young is just pure instincts. Yeah. To
0: me, the most impressive part is how well he can mirror given like, like he's yeah. a pretty rocked up dude and you don't typically see guys with his frame, have the lateral quickness and the hip fluidity that he does, um, and that's again not something you can teach. And neither is the effort that he plays with, and neither is you know the the length that he has, right? So it's 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 just the perfect recipe for you know elite on-ball defense. Um, I, I think the one knock on him defensively is he he bites on a lot of fakes. Um, but I think that, that comes with experience. Um, again, he's really young. He'll, he'll start to pick up on tendencies, watch film, you know, all that stuff that he'll get better in that regard. Um, but you know, in exchange for everything else he gives you defensively, like that's, you know, that's an easy trade-off.
1: Yeah. and, and I've seen players i mean even desmond bain this he's the first player that comes to mind as a junior he bid on so many fakes, and his defense was like just mild because of it and then, as a senior, he just became so much more disciplined and it did wonders for him and and it's if Green can get that discipline while not main not losing his motor motor excuse me um i I really do think that's a that's a recipe for an all n b a defender or all defensive player,
0: yeah and i i love how hard he'll close out but then he doesn't he doesn't let the the opponent go past him you know he's able to shuffle his feet and stay in front you know good footwork quick um you know pretty solid team defender too um like you said he's smart he knows where he needs to be plays the passing lanes really well um you know, takes pride in defending, um, and I think that's where he he would really help the Mavericks is they just don't have a lot of guys, and I've mentioned this before, you know, after I've heard, you know, our friend Bibbs talk about it on his podcast, they need somebody who loves playing defense, not just cares about playing defense, but, like, they take pride in it, <laughs> and and that's Josh Green. That's somebody who can come in and be a somebody who can impact that culture. I think that's yeah. kind of the phrase I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, he is, he is a cornerstone defensively. Like, I mean, every team wants a Josh Green. Um, and I think you said it best that he closes out so hard that and he somehow doesn't lose ground on the recovery. Because a lot of times when you close out hard, they're not actually going to shoot. Like, you know, it's a pump fake drive pass. Josh Green can still handle it, which is how often can you say that about anybody? I mean, there's probably like five, 10 players in the league that can do yeah. that too. Yeah. The most, um, sorry, before we wrap
0: up the the eval, I think the one thing I forgot to mention on the offensive side of the ball is how good he is in transition. Um, oh, yeah. just getting out in the open floor. And like, that's where his athleticism really shines. That's where you see him, you know, elevate above the rim. And, um, so you put him in one of these kind of run and gun teams, um, <laughs> You know, I I think that just gives him another avenue for scoring.
1: Yeah, and I think that's also where his passing is at his best, too. Uh, And ball handling, it's just creation. And with the amount of, like you said, with how up-tempo the NBA is, like, that's definitely a strength for him.
0: For sure. So
1: um, where where do you currently have him ranked on your board? So I've got him 17th. Uh, I have him in the top five-ish of – Of small forward wings kind of that that mold uh right at number five there's there's a weird amount of them so yeah i have them 17th on my board okay
0: i have them 18th um so again very similar to to where you have them um here here's my question we were kind of talking about it a little bit uh before the podcast you know you mentioned if if the board falls how you expect it to he's your top guy is is that someone you would you take him over bane yeah
1: yeah okay. the upside the the upside i mean there's two things one uh for what the mavs need it would be great to get the best shooter in the class i think you're almost looking at would you rather have a chance at the best wing defender in the class or would you rather have the best shooter in the class that, that's and that's, what that's, what a I'm at. that's a hard that's what question that's a hard question to at. answer like, that is a very hard question to answer. I think if you want Luka Doncic to be at his best, uh, I think you could literally put G-leaguers around him and he'd still average 28-8. and eight. Like, I, <laughs> and obviously I'm exaggerating, but I, I do think the defense is what's going to elevate Luka to being a first or second round exit to being a potential title team, you know, or title. I, I say say it as where the Dallas Lucas. but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. to compliment Luka the best, you need the defenders. That's fair. I think... Personally, my philosophy would
0: be give me the best shooter who's a solid defender as opposed to a solid shooter who's the best defender. But, I mean, I totally get it too. Um, And like I said, Josh Green could be that culture change that they need. So, um, you know, obviously we love the fit in Dallas. Uh, Any other fits that that you like for Josh Green?
1: Uh, I think you could put him in Portland. You could say a lot of the same things that we just said about Luka. I mean, him with Damian Lillard and they play the five out really plays to all of his strengths the transition five out and just get him again culture change portland's a really good fit for them uh i think that's the team that comes to mind as you know being another one maybe even i mean you could argue brooklyn it would really help kd coming off the injury there's a lot of options in that that teens area pretty much anyone 12 through 20 you can make an argument for right um is there a comparison you like for him uh that i like or that i have <laughs> no because the the one i the ones i have i don't know it depends on the high end really depends on him becoming a slasher and really just assumes that his shot won't come along um uh, which i do think is a better outcome for him personally that if he can create for himself rather than being the spot up uh which is gerald wallace just because he was such a good defender but i'm not i'm not a huge fan of that one the one i like more though is if he's only a defender and he can kind of shoot i still think he stays around per, for a while because this guy's a 10-year vet. Which is Tabo Cephalosha. Okay.
0: I I kind of saw maybe a little like Josh Richardson do his game maybe.
1: Yeah. Um, that's another yeah. But I, I
0: like the Tabo call. Um. The the whole Tony Allen Jay Crowder thing was not a comparison by the way. No, from earlier a, that was. Just, that's a mold. I, that yeah. Was, yeah in terms of impact. Um, yeah. All right, so um, anything else on Josh Green before we hit some mailbag questions?
1: No, let's hit the mailbag.
0: All right, let's get that pulled up here. Um, We got quite a few replies to this, so probably not going to get to all of them today, um, but we'll get to as many as we can. All right, let's, let's just start at the top here. All right, from our buddy Simon, uh, by the way, Simon is a at-hawks draft nerd. He just released uh, his big board and his position-by-position rankings on Twitter. Go check him out. He put in a ton of work. Uh, It looks awesome. Um, But he asks, um, who's one player you are most worried about being wrong on, as in
1: being too high or too low? So I feel like you know who I – I feel like this isn't going to go where you think I'm going to go, because I have Elijah Hughes Hughes ranked 12th, but it's not him. Uh, I think the player I'm most concerned about, I mean, I have Tyrese Albert at 23. Like I'm very worried about being wow. wrong on that. Yeah. that's. Okay. I'm not too confident in it, but that would probably be my answer.
0: I think for me, <laughs> oddly enough, like I have him at three, but it's still Anthony Edwards because if he hits, he's a, stud. <laughs> he's a superstar. And it's how the heck did you not have him one? Um, <laughs> It's him or maybe Obi at 10. I could see Obi developing into a a really good player and, um, you know, possibly better than a lot of the guys that I have ahead of him. Um, Yeah, I have
1: him him 13, so I feel the same sentiment.
0: That's a good question. That's a good question. I think on the other end of the spectrum, um, someone I may be too high on or could perceive to be too high on is Okonwu just from the cuz I'm a 2 and I I love him as a player but I think just from the standpoint of like his impact um or or the numbers that you'll see
1: might not at the end of the day line up with it man I disagree we both got him at 2 I have no concerns about that one I I have no concerns I have he's going to be a concern. really good
0: player but my concern would be like if if he's a guy who's averaging like 12 and 10 and obviously his impact is higher than that, but people are oh like at two really and I'm like I don't know. No, I don't he's, think he can be he's unique. The top
1: I don't think he's worse than the fifth best player in this draft. Like that is he's that high of a four guy. And I'm I know it's bold, but like I just I don't see an outcome how he even remotely fails in this league. Like I, I, I just I think that's fair. I don't see it. I wouldn't yeah, I personally not to judge not to give you your own feelings, but I would not worry about that one. <laughs> All right, uh, Thunder Dustin asks,
0: who is the one prospect you are highest on versus consensus and why? It's I'm going to let you Hughes. handle that one. It's a oh.
1: Hughes. I mean, I have him 12th. Most people have him in the 20s or 30s. Uh, he has no holes in his game. I think he gets a knock on defense completely wrongfully so for his playing in the Syracuse zone. But if you watch him play in the Syracuse zone, he doesn't abide to the Syracuse zone. He's really athletic, uh, really good recovery, breaks the zone for like he knows the right play. Uh, So that's an an unwarranted knock on him. And then I really buy the jump shot and creation ability. Uh, I I do think 12 is still a little bit low, but a wing that can create, defend and shoot. That's what this league is looking for all the time. Okay. From uh,
0: Jeffrey Andrew Wittig. uh, He asked several questions, but we'll hit one of them. Uh, What top end prospect will be a bust star and average player?
1: Ooh. Okay. So I'll um, start with
0: a bust. which top
1: end guy do you think is most likely to bust? I'll say Wiseman. Yeah, it has to be him or Obi. I mean, Obi I think has the most bust. For him they're the two with the most bust potential. I'll I'll say the different answer. I'll say Obi. Uh just because I I think Obi's can play be him good, off. And good enough offensively to to stand. Yeah. yeah, I I just have concerns about him creating for himself. Uh I, yeah. I it depends on where he goes. It's so, so important that he goes to the right team.
0: Yeah. But it's probably um, best <laughs> All right, which prospect will be a star? Lamelo. Uh, yeah, I would say Killian Hayes. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um, Anthony Edwards probably has the highest ceiling, but I think is probably the most likely to reach his ceiling. All right, and which one ends up just being average? Ooh, I got a spicy
1: one on that one. All right, you go. I'm gonna say Denny of Dia. I don't know. I think people are really overvaluing his uh his jump shot and just some of his other traits. I, I don't know. I like him. I I just I've seen people say he's the best prospect. I'm not there. I can't get there.
0: I'll say Halliburton. I I think he'll be solid all around. Nothing special, you know. But just given this draft, you know, that's still a guy who goes top ten
1: man i literally said i have Halberton like two questions ago 23 and i didn't even think of it <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right um potato asks, uh thoughts on going for kevin love a couple uh, of years ago not.
1: maybe but yeah i the contract the he, he doesn't really change much uh like he's a good rebounder which helps and he's a good shooter, obviously. I don't know why I acted like that wasn't the most important thing for him. But <laughs> I just, eh, he doesn't move the needle for me. I think you can do better for similar return. I agree.
0: I agree. Um, from Hoops Will, let's see what he says. Uh, any guys you think might have been looked at differently if they were in different situations this year could be positive or negative. For example, if Hughes had been at Duke or Paul Reed had been at Villanova, I think their consensus would be much different.
1: Yeah, uh, that is definitely a fair point. Elijah Hughes probably is my answer because again, the Syracuse zone is just the biggest smear you can have on your college resume. Uh, I would say maybe Emmanuel Quickly though, uh, which is so crazy to think that a guy who won SEC Player of the Year still didn't have like all of his strengths played out for him. Uh, <laughs> so that is that. That's probably another one. I think that he got hidden as a playmaker a lot. So I, I'll go with either of those two guys. I'll say. Um...
0: I'll say Maxie. I think, um, I think if Maxie was in a, a different situation, he might've been able to show a little bit more. Um, but, you know, that's something that we always see with Kentucky. And then, you know, everyone always says like, Oh, they're not going to be like Booker or hero or, um, or Shay. And I'm like, well, nobody thought those guys were going to be a <laughs> either. So I don't know. Um uh, all right, uh, if the Mavs cannot trade 18 and 31 plus whatever for an impact third star, how far up could the Mavs move in the draft? Uh, would we rather trade those picks for a higher pick or take our chances at 18 and 31? That's from Rolando Gonzalez.
1: Well, I think, I'd think... Said the
0: the furthest they probably could move up is like 14, 15. Like, you probably yeah. could move up a ton. End of the
1: lottery. End of the lottery. I mean... It depends on who's there. Personally, if Obi's there at like twelve or thirteen, I'm moving eighteen and thirty-one to get him. Uh, I know what I said, you know, five minutes ago. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I would, I would gladly take a look at uh, going up for maybe you have to be a follower, someone like that who just—that's really the only way I would trade up. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I would
0: probably hold off. Um, maybe if you wanted to go up and get of a cell or Patrick Williams or Sadiq Bay, like fine. Um, otherwise the draft is so loaded at that kind of, you know, 20 to 40 range. I think you're going to get two guys that you really like at 18 and uh, 31.
1: Yeah. It's the roster flexibility is just the hardest part for that because like adding two rookies to this team does seem a little bit hard. But yeah, theoretically, I agree. Um,
0: all right. Uh, Jeffrey Craig asks, who will Dallas choose at 18 and why is the best answer? Desmond Bain. Ha. But then he also asks, because <laughs> the question we'll actually answer, if Dallas <laughs> trades 18 and 31 for a veteran, would you rather that be Otto Porter, Victor Oladipo, or Drew Holiday?
1: Drew. Easy.
0: Yeah, Drew. Easy. Easy. Drew's the perfect fit in Dallas. Secondary Dude.
1: playmaker who defends really <laughs> well. It's gotta be him. I've seen people say he's a bad fit because of the ball handler, and I'm like, why? Like like he would he would be perfect. You don't you don't miss Luca when he goes to the bench. He does all the dirty work when Luca is on the floor. What's their he, he has no real perfect. flaws in his game. Yeah. He's he has perfect. no like major
0: holes. Uh Reedzilla, uh who by the way has a uh, a magic avatar, so nice there you guy. go. Is there a player in this draft that warrants taking best player available versus team specific needs?
1: So I think, I think this comes down to how do you believe that you can never have too many wings? Because there are definitely guys like that. I think, uh, I don't think you can even factor in team needs for a guy like Devin Vassell, who, again, I'll, I've called him generational defensively. uh, And I'll do it again. Like you get someone like that. You don't care if you have Clay Thompson and Tony Allen out there, you still take, you know? Like, he's a guy that I I don't think any team really is like, well, we have this many wings, we really don't want this. No, everybody, you want Devin Vassell. Just for his defense alone. You don't even care what happens on offense.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of a, you know, philosophical question, really. To me, you always take best player available. And if it's, you know, relatively close, then you could factor in your need. Right, like, you know, I have lamello kongwu and edwards all in the same tier so you know take the one that best fits what you want to do um but like you know if if the maps are sitting there at 18 and obi toppins on the board um but so is you know josh green like obi's the better player by a lot like give me obi um so you know that's my philosophy on it. Um, That's a good question. Yeah, it was a good question. Uh, NBA Discussion asks, would you put Kleba in a Drew Holiday trade? Because I would not.
1: I mean, you probably have to.
0: Comfort-wise, comfort no. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't like to but, you have to, but you probably have to. Yeah. And if it gets you Drew, then I would do it. Uh, Maxie's an, an incredibly unique player, but... I. Drew puts you over the top. Yep. Um, All right. Um, I apologize if I mispronounce your name. Rutuj, I believe, asks if the Warriors were to package Wiggins, whoever they drafted to, or the second pick maybe, and Minnesota's 2021 first-round pick, what tier player could they land?
1: Man, I feel like that's – I feel like the baseline there is Drew Holiday. Like, am I wrong? I feel like that might even be – too well. I don't know. I feel like that's that's probably where the Drew Holiday that would win the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. I yeah, think. it would. I guess the, like who's who's available. You know, like yeah. are,
0: What what's the best player on the market? Teams are looking to move. Like, I I don't think Bradley Beal's on the market. Um, I think that'd be a little much for Drew Holiday personally. Yeah.
1: But yeah, that that's question. I'm just question. I'm
0: just not sure who's on the market, like who's available. Um Yeah. You could probably get a pretty solid player back though. Um
1: yeah, you, get, you get a borderline all-star at the least, like that fringe, which like a low end borderline at the least.
0: Uh Jason Carter asks if we're trying to move up, who's our target and how high can we move? We've kind of tackled this before, but to me it's it's one of those wings. Um and you're probably getting up to 13 14 15 otherwise just stay put
1: yep yeah i completely agree at the most 12
0: um scotty barnes fan club before we uh before even saying who lands where do you have a favorite to win rookie of the year
1: <sighs> that is and i've been thinking about that question since i saw it no <laughs> i i think that's Me a the hardest that is such a hard question um I mean, if I had to choose one player, I mean, I such a cheap answer. I, I guess I'll go Anthony Edwards. He's going to get the numbers no matter what.
0: I was going to say Lomelo because he's going to have the ball in his hands.
1: Yeah, no pun intended.
0: Ah, there you go. Um, <laughs> Zach, who's the best player in the draft and why is it Devin Masell?
1: <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I think it's Lomelo.
0: I think it's Lomelo. You think it's Edwards. Um yeah. I don't know this name. Is Trace Tinkle a person? Yes, that's a real person. Okay, so do low twist <laughs> ask can
1: you <laughs> can you make the argument for Trace Tinkle being a major sleeper? What a so name. so his dad is actually the coach at Oregon State, uh, which to me is a flag for him because a lot of the possessions Trace Tinkle had uh, were spoon fed possessions. Uh, I, I don't know. If he had the ball in his hands so much, I, I don't know if there's a realistic NBA path for him. He doesn't really do anything to me that stands out. Uh, like he's a good player, but again, like I think his stats are a lot of volume-based just because the offense ran through him. This is why Richard's the expert and I'm just a <laughs>
0: middle school coach. <laughs> All right. Um, Jeremy Wong, outside of Desmond Bain, which prospect is the best win-now prospect at 18?
1: Uh, man. So I kind of want to say Josh Green because of his defense. I think that adds just so much value to Dallas. Uh, you could say pressure Sachua, same thing. Uh, and then I'll go with the third one that, cause I'm not going to count Sadiq Bay. I think he's actually going to be gone by 18. Um, I, I really think Emmanuel quickly, like I'm really hyping him up probably too much, but the shooting, I think he can be a playmaker ish, like, you know, secondary, tertiary, whatever, like, and he has the length where defense, again, we talked about this in a previous podcast. It's a swing factor. If he's good at it, like he's good at it early. I think.
0: I think for me, it's probably Maxi. Um, again, just somebody who could take some of the, the primary initiator, um, stuff, you know, off the plate of Luca. Um, I think the shot will develop. I think he's a pretty good defender. Um, you know, obviously limited because of his size, but um, to me, that that would be the guy if you if you're in win now mode outside of, you know, a shooter like Bain or potentially green. Um, all right. I think we'll be able to, to hit these last four questions here. Um, Carson, the boy, what is your top 10 players in the draft for the Mavs? Well, uh, let's do top so- three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um
1: uh, pick 18,
0: 18 you can include a couple
1: fallers. So, wishful thinking but also keeping it realistic. Uh <clears throat> I would say, I mean, Desmond is probably number 1. Um uh, Josh Green number 2. And then if I think if you can I think of this guy, I mean, it's so hard to say if he'll fall. If Ah, three is hard. I'm gonna have I'm gonna phone a friend. Jared, who would you put in three? Bay, if
0: he's there, if he's not, it that's would a good go to Maxi or Poku. Yeah, I'll go with Sadiq Bay as my third then. So yeah, that's that's okay. a good answer. Alright, uh you'll like this one. Mitchell asks, who should the magic draft?
1: Uh if Kyra's there, Kyra. If he's not, go ahead and just take uh Grant Riller.
0: Ooh, okay, okay. Um He's from there. Chris LeBron asks,
1: what's the dream draft for the Knicks? So I think they have three picks in the top 40. I think they have eight, 27, and 39. If they take it eight, I mean, if they got one of the top six, eight guys, I mean, I still, this won't happen anymore just because of, we you know too much now, but if Cole Anthony was the eighth pick, I think it'd be a win. Uh, you take a guy, take Kyra Lewis at eight. I think that's a great pick. At 27, you take an ideally someone who's fallen. Maybe you get Emmanuel quickly if he's there. I think that's. I don't think he gets past there. And then 39, if you got like Killian Tilly, if you got, uh, I mean, you could even take another guard. You can take Tyler Bay. If you got any of those guys that are like in the early 30s, late 20s uh, ranking, I really think that you, which is super possible, the Knicks could walk away with three incredibly powerful rookies. Okay. Uh last
0: question that I'm seeing on here is from Draft Season BB <laughs> favorite international
1: sleepers. So, I a lot of the guys are dropping out now, so it's a little bit hard. Uh I'll just say two that I really like are uh Barisa Samanic. He's a stretch 5, he's 6'11, like beautiful shot. Uh that's pretty much all he'll do in the NBA, but that works. And then the other, I do not know how to say this guy's name, so bear with me. It's Andriy. Uh, I, I cannot say this last name. Voina Lovich, I think. Uh, he's Ukrainian. I tweeted about him a couple months ago. I saw like one of his games from the FIBA U20s. I think a year ago, and uh, like he's got a nice shot, quick first step, and really good touch around the rim. And he's six eight, so maybe that works out. I don't know. I and if you want to look anything up, I have tweeted about him a couple of times. It's A-N-D-R-I-I. It's his first thing. That's all you need to type in with, with Mavshraft and you'll find it. There you have it. <laughs> I think that pretty much
0: wraps up uh, this week's episode. Uh, any final words?
1: No, 10 days. I'm very excited. Also very nervous and very, very excited to move on from this class. We'll, uh, we'll
0: probably try to get um, a couple more episodes out to you guys before the draft um, we'll see what we can do there um, and then we'll definitely have a, a recap of the draft um, and uh, and then we'll we'll start to preview the, the 2021 class a little bit um, so thanks again for listening appreciate your mailbag questions um, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.